Hello. Welcome back to Unfiltered Sisters podcast. From the title, you can tell it's going to get deep real quick, but I'm feeling good today. We're going to be cool, calm, collected, and not cry. (laughs) What are your peaks and pits? My peak is that I'm going out of town this weekend. And my pit is that it's so funny. No. (laughs) Okay. I'm seeing my boo thing. Oh. And then um, my pit. It's too fucking cold. Yeah, it's... What was it? I think yesterday we reached negative nine. We're in the trenches, y'all. Bullshit. <laughs> this is one of those times where I wish I lived in a different state. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. If it's to the point where I can't sit in my car on break, that's a problem. Yep. Because literally, what was it, two weeks ago, we were talking about how we don't go into the break room, it's nasty, we don't do that, and now you're going to catch our asses in the break room because it's too damn cold to run the car, and even if you did run the car, it's not blowing hot air. It's terrible. And the break room's as crusty as I remember it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my peak and pit. Man, I've gone back and forth on my pits. I have like three... But we'll stick to one. They're not that deep. But my peak... Oh, oh! before we get into that, I'm so sorry. We had somebody reach out to us that listens to the podcast. She works as a manager at a Walgreens. And she, she did clarify that they do, in fact, see every photo that you print. So, for you little nasties, <laughs> keep that in mind. Anyway, so my peak... I saw this TikTok um, uh, about Gen Z, like basically explaining our generation because so many people go on and on about how our generation is lazy. We lack a work ethic. We have nothing going for us. We don't understand the world, that whole thing. I don't know. I think she's in her 50s. Let me pull it up and just play it. So clearly I'm not Gen Z, but they're the generation I worked with the most since going into the field of mental health in 2004. So here's my perspective as a mental health professional. One, Gen Z is the first generation in a long time to grow up truly feeling like they're not safe. They're the first generation that couldn't escape bullying. Unlike previous generations, Gen Z came home from school and still had to deal with texts, tweets, DMs, snaps, all this intrusive messaging that didn't stop. They grew up constantly hearing about mass violence at schools, concerts, clubs, malls. Many of them started early adulthood at the beginning of a pandemic. And before even hitting adulthood, Gen Z is either experiencing themselves or watching people that they love have their basic human rights stripped away. All because another person's religion doesn't approve of their existence. Gen Z is the first generation to have incurred this much debt with little to no way out of it. They are the first generation to truly accept the idea of getting help and support with mental health services. And as a result, when they're able to express themselves in healthier and more positive ways, the older generations are calling them crybabies and too emotional. And when Gen Z expresses frustration, anger, sadness at what they are seeing going on around them, they are being told they are entitled and lazy. One of the most important factors is that because of the explosion of social media in their childhood, they grew up seeing all of the craziness that happens outside of their small bubble they grew up in. Period. Aided up. Yep, so that that was my peak. I was like, yep, exactly, exactly, exactly. Anyways, that was kind of (laughs) long. My pit is what just happened before we got on this phone call. So I'm feeding the dogs, and... Rory and Cardi don't spend a lot of time together because Cardi is always on the road with Eli. And so every once in a while, they'll get into a really big tiff and blood is usually drawn. Like, it's not cute. And last night, even, I put my plate down and had a pizza slice left on my plate. And I'm watching The Vampire Diaries, but also keeping an eye on that piece of pizza because I I know my children. And (laughs) I looked down and I couldn't help but laugh. But Cardi was on one side of the plate and Rory was on the other. And it was almost like they were staring each other down to figure out who was going to get the piece of pizza first. And when I looked down, 
they're both showing their teeth. Like Cardi's like gradually showing more and more. And I'm just like, oh, hell no. I put my foot in between both their mouths. I was like, don't test me right now. <laughs> Neither of y'all. I ate it right in front of them. I was like, they really said we're going to do this, aren't we? Yep. Because Roy, like he's the one that started it. He was started showing his teeth and shit. And Cardi was like trying, but then she'd hold it back. And then she'd show him again. And I'd be like, girl, you're going to fuck him up. <laughs> So I put my foot in between them and ate that piece of pizza right in front of him. I said, nah, 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 we're not going to fight here. So that was last night. And then right before we got on this recording, I'm feeding them dinner. And I, all of a sudden there's like a whole bunch of chaos going on. And I just see Cardi going after his like scraps that he hasn't gotten to yet. And next thing I know it was so fast. She pinned him against the wall with his neck. Like when I looked up, yeah, when I looked up, like he didn't, and surprisingly, I've noticed this. So like Cardi's a pit bull. She's stronger than him. He's a little Australian shepherd. He's, he's a herding dog. He's not a fighting dog, you know? And, but for some reason, like Cardi's just so sweet that she'll just threaten him. So like, it looked more intense than it was. And she, she like pinned him up against the wall. So he would stop because he bit her and she was pouring down blood. And, but at first I thought that Rory was the one that was hurt just because I saw him pinned against the wall. But nah, and Cardi didn't even flinch. Cardi, like, she barely feels pain. She walks around like, what? If anything, she felt bad because she got a drip of blood on the new couch, so she's licking it up. I was like, honey, 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 honey. Don't even worry about a thing. But I was like, oh my god. You're one tough-ass bitch. Because <laughs> Cardi looks scarier than she is, and she could puncture you if she wanted to, but she don't. And I don't know, this is the second time Rory's draw blood on her, but she never never she might look scary and pin him down but <laughs> she i don't know that was that was annoying to to deal with before we got on this call yeah i bet Ugh. so i'm sure most of you read the title obviously because you probably clicked on the video duh um <laughs> don't dumb me bitch <laughs> so how did you know that you were going through a miscarriage um so I didn't and I've talked to you a little bit about this I don't think I've given you every single detail but um basically and let's let's get this clear right off the bat if I I don't know if I'm gonna cry during this episode or not but I've tried to record this episode like three different times on my own just because I didn't know if I'd be able to talk to somebody else about it because that's usually when I do start crying is when I talk to somebody else but I think I'm finally to the point where, like, I'm good. That and if you cry, that's okay, too. I guess. But... <laughs> no, not I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah. Awkward. Anyways, I'm only... I'm able to share it now, and that's why it's... This happened a month ago. I miscarried a month ago now. But I... St and nobody's forcing me to talk about this. I know that. But I do think it's important because, as I've said before, is when you talk about your experience, no matter what it is, it makes other people feel better because you don't know if somebody else is going through it, too. Like, for me, it's anxiety. When I hear that other people deal with anxiety on a podcast that I'm listening to on a random Tuesday, I'm like, oh, my God, that's how I feel, too. And I feel a lot better. And yeah. so that's why I feel like I should talk about the miscarriage, you know that's fair i don't know i also feel a little bit awkward because eli's home today and i can hear him in the other room and i don't want him to eavesdrop <laughs> so i'm gonna do my best i don't know i don't know but to your question i had zero symptoms of a miscarriage but now looking back there were a few signs that i guess i disregarded without even knowing for example, we have that ultrasound Doppler thing at home and we had heard like faint heartbeat before, but it was too, I was using the device too early. So I never got to hear a steady heartbeat on the Doppler at home because I started using it at like seven weeks because I was just so excited and you're not really supposed to use it till you're like 12 or 13 weeks. And so when I did start using it after Thanksgiving, and there still wasn't a heartbeat, I just assumed, I don't know, like miscarriage didn't cross my mind. I was just kind of like, man, like maybe this device doesn't actually work. 
or maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm doing it too early still. Like miscarriage never crossed my mind. And so I would just be annoyed that I couldn't hear anything from the Doppler. So I went in, I was going in for my four month checkup, which you're supposed to be in the clear for. Like once you hit the three month mark, you're supposed to be in the safe zone. And also I was like, I can't remember the exact weeks, but there's certain this month of January, I would have been finding out the gender. And if I would have miscarried this month instead, it would have been declared a stillborn and they would have legally had to give me a death certificate, which I didn't know. But since it was a month prior, they didn't have to do all that. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but long story less long, I'll get into more details, but currently... there's no like death certificate or anything but the baby I mean obviously it was still small so and it was gonna cost less let's be real the basically they took the baby and like they spread the ashes at the cemetery near the hospital so that's where that child is right now but how we found out since because there I was never bleeding The only thing I'd say other than the Doppler that could have given me any kind of hint that I miscarried was like the week or two after Thanksgiving, I started to get morning sickness because this entire time I was pregnant, people have been asking me like, what are your symptoms? Do you have cravings? And I feel like I was on a Cheez-It kick for a little bit there and then some tricks. So I felt like I had a few cravings, but as far as other symptoms and not really i even said this to somebody that asked me like stopped by and saw me at the store like so do you have any symptoms and i was like no honestly i don't even feel pregnant and ironically enough i technically wasn't anymore at that time which is crazy to think about now but this is why i wrote things down because i I knew i was going to get scatterbrained (laughs) That's what I do. Oh, I'm trying to go back to my trade of thought there. Mm, The only other sign that could have pointed toward a miscarriage that I just didn't really think about was because I had no morning sickness or anything like that. Like, I think there was one day I threw up, but I think I just chalked that up to eating something bad. Because I did accidentally have an expired smoothie. <laughs> so I think I threw that up. But anyways, what I'm saying is, is I didn't have hardly any symptoms being pregnant. And so when I started getting morning sickness weeks 12, 13, and 14, I just assumed that I was getting symptoms late because that does happen to some women because every, everybody's different. So that's that's just what I thought it was. And when I went in for the four-month appointment, oh, and also my stomach was still getting bigger. So that was weird too. And then we went, it was December 20th. So just a few days before Christmas, I had my four-month appointment and I woke up, weirdly enough, I woke up with like a pit in my chest, but I didn't say anything because I don't want to put bad juju in the air on our way to an appointment. And it's because the that night I had a nightmare that I had a miscarriage. And so I woke up. I was like, what a sick game my little mind just played on me. Knowing I had an appointment the next day. And I just kind of ignored it. And what's crazy is three days prior to that, I had a TikTok pop up on my For You page that was a psychic. And there was like no hashtags. Didn't have For You page in the caption. Like it was a blank caption. Just a random video that popped up on my thing. And it was like, you're going to hear huge news december 20th there's people preying on your downfall and i just like scrolled i was like what the hell (laughs) and moved on i don't know it's it's so weird maybe i'm just reading into it but let me like stop getting on a tangent so we're heading to the four month checkup and they take me to a separate room than they did the first round of appointments and they do a handheld ultrasound and as soon as she puts the gel on the gel by the way is super hot i was expecting it to be cold that wasn't cute but anyways 
Um, so they put it on my lower stomach and she's like moving it around. She's not really saying anything. And like in that moment, so many thoughts were going through my brain. I was like, of course, because obviously you can hear if there's a heartbeat or not too, because you're in the room. And so I was starting to get a little worried the more time that was going on. And I was just kind of like, of course, like, of course this happens to me. Like the whole what was me thing. I was going through the ringer. I was like, of course. And then she finally said it, the doctor, and she was like, yeah, there's no heartbeat. So anyway, she finally tells us that there's no heartbeat and like, I have to sit up. She wipes me off and I immediately start crying. And I was kind of shocked because when I would hear other people talking about their miscarriage and stuff, I'd be like, oh, like, that's so sad. But until you go through it, you don't really know the depth. Right. You know? And I immediately looked at Eli. We were both bawling our eyes out. He gives me a hug. And then she, like, leaves to give us some space. And she says, we're going to go to the other room. And so I get dressed and all this stuff. And so he's still being optimistic and, you know, just trying to calm me down. And he's like, you know, last time they had a hard time hearing her or here. We always say her, but we didn't know. Which, honestly, I'm thankful that we didn't know the gender because I feel like that would have made it worse. Because we've always had a girl name picked out. And if we would have known that that was a girl, we would have been like, oh, that that's Ava. You know? And if we had another kid, we wouldn't want to use that name. So I'm, I'm thankful that we didn't know the gender. But anyways, so... Eli's trying to be optimistic. He's like, they had a hard time finding his or her heartbeat last time. Like, they had to do a transvaginal because the baby was still a little too small, a little smaller than we thought. And a lot of D, a lot of da. But in my mind, I was like, no. Like, that doesn't happen for me. Like, that's not how things work. Because <laughs> we always say, we always say in our relationship that I always say that he's the lucky one and things just work out for him. And, like, that's the opposite for me. And, like, not to sound dramatic, but that's just, like, I can't help but feel that way. And so he's, like, trying to be so optimistic. And, like, I was trying to smile and try to stop crying because I was just low-key embarrassed. And then we headed to the room. I I don't know. I was embarrassed because here I am, like, so excited. And I I don't know. It it was just a really... It's yeah, it's, it's so weird yeah. feeling. Cause I was like, I really allowed myself to get that high on happiness. Like the amount of times I protect myself and like keep my not it's not that I'm anti social, but I don't know, I keep my circle small. I try to protect my peace at all costs. Right. I've been setting boundaries and like I don't want to be hurt. And so I was really mad at myself and also embarrassed that I allowed myself to go there. Like I allowed myself to get so high on happiness. Like, of course this is going to happen because I allowed myself to go there. And so I was like really, really embarrassed because I had just posted on fit. Well, it had been a few weeks, but people knew about it now. Everybody knew about the pregnancy. And so I was just like, what a dumb bitch I am. Like, (laughs) That's all that was going through my head. I was like, man. But so we go into the other room and they do the transvaginal ultrasound this time and still same thing. And I don't know when they were looking for a heartbeat and had the thing up in there the entire time, like the tears stopped. And I just remember looking at the ceiling. I was so numb. And there's only been a few times in my life where I've just really felt numb And it's just such a weird feeling because you think you know what numbness is. And then, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But anyways, they couldn't declare that it was an official miscarriage until they got a second physician's opinion. So they get me dressed up again. They allow me to go through a separate hallway so I don't have to face everybody in the waiting room. Like, they were so sweet. And so I went downstairs and I went to a whole nother doctor. And same thing. And... This was a more intense ultrasound. I think it lasted like an hour. And when there's a screen in front of you, so you can see what they're seeing on their screen. And so when they were doing the the third ultrasound with the new physician, she's obviously not my doctor. And so 
she wasn't really saying much. She was just taking a lot of pictures, but she was super sweet too. And I remember looking up at the thing. And one of the things that she did say was that my uterus was huge. And I was like, what? And so basically what they were saying is that the baby passed away at 13 weeks. No, 12 weeks. So this would have been the week after Thanksgiving. And I was carrying around, you know, that for a month and didn't know. They were really shocked that I hadn't been bleeding or had any cramping or any, like literally nothing other than like new found morning sickness. So because of the diagnosis that I was given, it's very, very common that when the baby passes away, you start throwing up a lot because basically your body's trying to get rid of all of that. So you're not carrying around for a month unknowingly. Cause, yeah, because, I mean, not to get graphic, but you can't leave a dead baby inside of you. Like, there will be so right. many complications with that. And I'll get more into that in a second. But the other, so that's what they told me at the ultrasound. And then as we're looking at the screen and she's taking all these pictures, the other thing they noticed was that there's a lot of fluid and there was a lot like fluid filled sacs. And there was a lot of holes in my placenta because I even asked, I was like, is that a hole? Like, is that supposed to be there? And she wouldn't answer me. She was just like, well, we're looking at your uterus. And I was like, okay. And then she's like, and this is your placenta, but she wouldn't like say if it was okay or not to have those holes. And so I was like, okay. So that kind of made me freak out a little more. And like, I was past the point of sobbing, but when I was laying down, I was silently crying because Eli was wiping my tears like every two minutes. Cause it was just like coming down, but I wasn't, I was no longer making noises or even faces. It was just like, you know, that type of cry. I don't know how, like, I know you've done this. I don't know how to explain it. Like a numbness cry. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what was happening. I was just like so empty and I don't know. It was really hard. So she sent all the info to my doctor and then they put me back upstairs and once she got more of the pictures, she was like, I think you have a partial molar pregnancy. And then she was kind of explaining it to me. I mean, they obviously didn't, they won't get a confirmation until they test my placenta and all of that, but that's what she thought. And so she's like, unfortunately, since the baby has already been passed away for about a month, we need to have emergency surgery today. And when I tell you my jaw was like on the floor, like I was not expecting to wake up that morning and be in surgery on my day off, you know? Um, and luckily for them, the reason why it worked out, because obviously when you go under anesthesia, they don't want you to eat or drink anything for that day because you'll throw up or you'll choke while you're under. And so luckily for them, because uh, last time I talked about pregnancy, I mentioned that my glucose levels were really high up and I thought that was because I ate right before my appointment. So this appointment, I didn't eat a thing and I had one glass of water and that was all. So, cause I, they told me it was going to be a 10 minute appointment just to make sure the baby was okay. And then I was going to get to leave. So I was thinking, okay, I'll eat when we get back. Well, we ended up being there for like 14 hours total. So I don't know. I guess that was like the sign from the universe. I Like there's so many things that I picked up on now that it's over with, but I'm like, how crazy is it that the one day I decide not to eat breakfast is the same day that I happen to have emergency surgery. Like it just worked out perfectly. They're prepping me and I'm in the ER and they got all these IVs and giving me shots and like going through all these things, hooking me up. And that took probably like two hours just prepping me. And then Eli had to wait in the waiting room. And when they pulled me back into the surgery room, it was low key kind of scary. <laughs> it's like they had all these machines and I had WPW. I had to sign this whole form. They like, they're basically going through there. Like if your heartbeat goes crazy, do we have permission to give you a shock? I was like, <gasps> what? Like it was this whole added layer. So that was kind of spooky. And so the surgery they ended up having to do is called a DNC, which 
is basically what you would get done if you were to ask for an abortion. And it, like when you ask for an abortion, you get to decide between taking a pill to pass it naturally or get a DNC. So obviously I didn't choose to have a medical abortion. It was just necessary, but it's basically the same process. Like the DNC process is the same. So they did the DNC and they took out the baby, all the pregnancy stuff, and then also the molar cells. Because the molar cells are what form the fluid-filled cysts, a.k.a. tumors. And also, I don't remember if I mentioned this, but my uterus grew four times greater than the last size. And I'm not sure. They didn't really explain it to me, or they did, and I just zoned out, but... I don't know. I would have to ask Eli what they said about the uterus being so big, but my assumption is maybe the cysts were getting so big, the uterus was expanding. I'm really not sure about that, but they kept saying it was super long. And that's why, since my uterus kept growing, that's why my belly kept growing. And that's why I didn't think anything was wrong. That's fair. That, That makes sense. Yeah. So let's talk about what a partial molar pregnancy is. So there's there's a partial and there's a complete. For a complete molar pregnancy, it's an empty egg. So the abnormal molar cells will grow in the womb, but the embryo will never be formed. So there's no heartbeat to begin with. And so an empty egg means there's no chromosomes and you'll get a positive pregnancy test, but there's no movement or heart detected at your first appointment at any appointment. And with a partial, which is the one I had a partial molar pregnancy is when the baby and the molar tumor grows at the same time and it makes the baby not able to grow properly. And then it, you know, dies off. It starts because two sperm fertilize one egg and then there's too much genetics, extra chromosomes, whatever. And something that's made me and Eli feel better was like we had always talked about having twins and what that would be like and that'd be cool or whatever. And so I was like, you know what, Eli, I think your brain knew that we wanted twins and it just got a little confused Like it just, it went to the same egg instead of splitting off, finding another egg. So we just got Tweedledee and Tweedledum floating around up in there and got confused. You know, they hit the same egg. That's, that's kind of what makes us feel better and joke about it a little bit. But so the placenta had good and bad tissue and it's less common than a complete molar pregnancy. Less than 1% of people get it. And again, I was like, well, of course it happened to me then. Like, of course, (laughs) I would highly recommend looking at pictures online, the difference between a partial and a complete molar pregnancy because they're like so totally different. Like if you look at a uterus of a partial molar pregnancy, you can see the baby and the tumor at the same time. And it's honestly pretty crazy to see. Yeah, that sounds a little wild. Yeah. So you're supposed to find out at your first appointment, but our at our first appointment our baby's nubby little hands because our baby was still alive usually by the first appointment like they're already gone but for us like i'd like to say like oh they had my genes like they were a a fighter they were they were really trying to stick with it and (laughs) they didn't want to give me any signs of a miscarriage because they didn't want to make me upset like i don't know that's just kind of like how i've coped with it i guess but so you're supposed to find out at your first appointment, but at our baby's first appointment, you could see the nubby hands like move. So oh our baby, yeah, our baby was very much alive. So it's so crazy to wrap my mind around the fact that just a week later, no, not no more. And I know I'm talking about this so casually, but it's because I feel like me and Eli have talked about it so much. Me and you have talked about it so much. Me and mom. And that's really been my rock. And I, the first two weeks I was crying nonstop. I mean, you and mom can, you mom and Eli can all attest to that. And I think it was super hard when I went back to work because I was out of work for a week and a half. And when I came back and started getting into my regular routine at work, I was crying every break, every lunch. And I don't know if it's because I was going back into that familiarity or the fact that I knew everybody around me thought I was still pregnant or I'm not sure. Maybe it was the huge influx of hormones that were leaving my body, but those days were even harder. And I just, 
I'm glad that this week and last week have I've gotten to the point where I'm no longer in that space because that was miserable. Like I, I thought I felt pain before, but this was such a different type of pain and I don't even know how to explain it. Now it's to the point where as long as I don't have to look at somebody in the face and be like, no, I'm not pregnant anymore, then I'm good. But as soon as that happens, I just like can't even help it. It's just a flood of tears. But I'm doing a lot better than I was a month ago because a month ago I was like, what the hell? Like I could barely get out of bed. Which is understandable, Pookie. Yeah. So after they did the DNC, they sent my placenta, tested my HCG, and my ultrasound. And they it took about a week to get back because they sent my placenta all the way to California to get tested, which I thought was crazy. Damn. Yeah. And so with a normal pregnancy, if you're in like the 100,000s, like that's pretty high, is, at least is what I remember. But my HCG levels were in the 300,000s. And that is another, yeah, that's another sign. That's another sign of the partial molar pregnancy. And so they were pretty concerned about that. When I woke up from the surgery, I was no longer hungry. I was starving all day long because I went like 14 hours without food or water. And the first thing they gave me when I woke up was a little cup of Cheez-Its and some water and that was like the best thing ever but I also wasn't hungry anymore I just wasn't and another thing I thought was crazy is when I woke up I was like really kind of dazed and confused for like 15 minutes after I think I was still coming off the anesthesia but for like an hour or two after the surgery my body was shaking uncontrollably and according to the nurses that's normal like it happens to some people when they are on anesthesia which I didn't know that either like I was like cold shaking. I couldn't stop. Dang. And another thing, um, no meds after. Nope. So they just like open up your cervix, take all the stuff out, and then they just send you home. That's insanity. But luckily, I don't even feel like I needed them. And that's probably why they don't prescribe them. I mean, I was on a lot of pain meds before they took me out. <laughs> so those were probably still kicked in when I left the hospital but even after the drugs were off it it didn't it didn't hurt and I felt the only thing I'd say that hurt was when I went to the bathroom the very when we got home and I finally went pee for the first time I screeched in pain and it came out like I couldn't even help it it hurt so bad I felt like my badusi was on fire not the badusi yep and it, like, alarmed Eli. He came storming into the bathroom. He's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was just like, get out, get out, get out. Like, I was, like, so embarrassed and, like, so couldn't stop crying. It was it was bad. And it hurt. And then the after that, the rest of the time, it was just a lot of pressure. And then I talked about how I was constipated the first episode. That's because, you know, everything gets shoved in different places when your uterus is growing. And so everything was going back to normal. And so for, like, a week, it it was pretty messed up. <laughs> this is so sad. And I'm trying to find the words other than dang and damn, but it's so hard. I know. I'm honestly impressed with myself that I haven't started crying because any other time I've talked about it, I have cried. But I think it's mostly because I'm just talking to you. And I've had a pretty good day today. So I feel like that's what's really... Keep me going, but I don't want people thinking that I'm just, like, so heartless about this and didn't care because when I tell you I was distraught. Not at all. You're just, you're going through the process. And, I mean, yeah. I I understand. It's, I, I wouldn't want to cry in front of everybody on a pod. Yeah. I feel like if it was my first time talking to you about it, I definitely would. But... So the doctor gave me a note to stay home and she basically said, I can keep you home for a week, but if you want longer, just call me and I'll extend it. And I was like, okay, dope. Like, but I ended up going back because money, you know? Yeah. But uh, it, it was definitely hard going back. One of the other hardest parts was this was five days before Christmas. And I knew going into the holidays that people were going to ask me how the pregnancy's going, how the baby's doing and 
all this stuff. That's what I was most terrified about. And at one point, me and Eli contemplated on not going to anybody's Christmases at all because it was just didn't want all of that. Right. But Christmas, Christmas is my favorite time of the year. I look forward to it every year. And I, when I tell you it was really hard to stay in the Christmas spirit and not let this ruin the holiday for me altogether, like I was really holding on to it. Me and Eli forced ourselves to listen to Christmas music every day. <laughs> We, uh, we were doing everything. We, we went and saw Christmas lights. Like We were doing everything we could to stay in the Christmas spirit. And I think we did a pretty okay job. It definitely wasn't as Christmassy as other years. But we did our best. We made cookies. Like We were really trying. We watched movies. The Christmas movies. Like Really trying to hold on to the Christmas spirit. And we ended up did going. We went to like four. We ended up did going? <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking a lot, man. You're cute. We ended up going. <laughs> um, And so we were kind of forced to talk about it before we were ready. Not at the family functions, but as far as like making sure mom knew, making sure Mandy knew, just so that they could tell their families, making sure Eli's parents knew, just so that we wouldn't get asked those hard questions or even like bring up the word baby because we neither of us were in a state to do any talking we wanted to basically we wanted everybody to think i never even got pregnant that's kind of the mindset we wanted and for the most part that's how it was people kind of left us alone and just talked about christmas you know but it was definitely very hard moving on to aftercare within two days after the dnc so this was me going into the holidays. I believe we were at Nana's and Grandma's this mm-hmm. day. And my boobs were leaking milk like crazy, which was something I wasn't told about and was something I was completely not expecting because I was going to do more research the further along in my pregnancy I got. But I was under the impression that you didn't start producing like I knew you started producing milk but I thought that was later down the line in pregnancy and I also thought you wouldn't start leaking out of your actual boob until the baby was here because that influx of hormones but I guess now saying that out loud that makes sense because the hormones were leaving my body those days and so maybe my body thought I gave birth I'm not exactly sure of the process. All I know is that I was leaking through shirt after shirt after shirt, and I couldn't go to sleep without a bra on. Otherwise, we were going to have to wash sheets every night. Like, it was bad. So, and another thing, you know when you're on your period and your, like, boobs might hurt a little bit, whatever? I I thought that's what the boob pain was. But when I tell you I woke up that Saturday morning what was that the day before on the 23rd and I felt like I couldn't even move my arms because if I accidentally hit my boob I felt like my boobs for one I felt like they were pulling me to the ground and secondly it just hurt so bad and I could feel it too I I don't know how to explain it other than like surging is the word I kept saying when it was happening I was like I can feel it like filling up or whatever I'm not really sure but it really sucked. And I only got a sliver of what it's like to be a mother and like nursing and stuff. And I was like, this sucks so fucking bad. I don't know how people breastfeed. And I'm sure you get used to it. But for me, I was like, what a constant reminder of what I don't have. Like, I was so angry. So angry. And I remember distinctly, I was in so much pain all day. Like, it still felt weird to go to the bathroom. It didn't so much hurt, but it was uncomfortable on top of my boobs leaking and the surging, the surging hurt the worst. And I remember distinctly, I was sitting on the couch. We were ready to play a game at Nana's and Scarlett came to sit on me. And I was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Cause I wore a long sleeve shirt and then a vest on top of it. So a thick puffy vest, just in case I leaked through my shirt, it surely wasn't going to go through this vest. And I wore these little pads in my bra. Like I had the situation covered, but when Scarlett came to sit on my lap, she was leaning on my boob and I could feel myself surging. And I, when I tell you, I was trying not to cry as we're playing this game. Like it hurt so fucking bad. And she like would move every once in a while, move her arm. Cause she was on her tablet. And I was like, girl, like I didn't say anything to her, obviously, 
but I was just sitting there like, like, <laughs> I am literally dying right now. It sounds awful. Yeah. I think it was just mainly the emotional side of it of being a constant reminder and then also just the surging. Because I could deal with the leaking. I'm sure I would get a like used to it because it happened for about a week and a half. So by that week and a half, I was starting to get into a routine of putting the pads on in the morning, the little cream, like all these things. But the surging, man, like it hurts so fucking bad. But apparently it's normal. So I just wasn't aware of it. Also, when, when I would go to the bathroom, there would be blood clots coming out. Because, like, obviously, oh. obviously you start bleeding because your body thinks you just gave birth. Like, you're no longer pregnant. The right. of hormones, all the things. And, yeah, there was blood clots. But they said as long as it wasn't bigger than a quarter, I was fine. And it never got to that point, thankfully. But I was like, oh, my God. I'm, like, leaking out of everything, you know? <laughs> like, my eyes are leaking. My, my boobs, like my badusi <laughs> i couldn't win i was oh my god awful all while trying to keep it together at the holidays what a strong bitch i'm telling you like i always respected moms i always had appreciation for mothers but even just the little slither of being a mom that i got i just feel like my whole perspective has changed because i'm just like especially those that like breastfed like you really dealt with that while taking care of a child, like people with C-sections, like you literally were healing with stitches in your body, cut through seven layers, taking care of a child. I'm just like, no fucking way are women supposed to go back to work after six weeks. Some even go sooner. Like what the actual hell? I don't know. I don't know. I, that would be hard. Now, a month later, the milk, blood, pain, all gone. I feel like myself again. The crying has lessened tremendously. I feel like other than the other day, I haven't cried in about two weeks. Um, And the only thing I have to deal with now is blood tests. So I have to go once a week and they draw my blood to make sure my HCG levels are going down because the way it was explained to me, if the HCG levels are up, that means the molar cells are still present and they didn't get rid of all of them when they did the DNC, which also means it's a greater chance that those molar cells are not benign and they're actually cancerous which then she was talking to me about chemo and all this stuff. And I had to zone her out after that. I was done. I couldn't, couldn't even think about it. Luckily I've done four of the blood tests now and my levels are going down. So that's a good sign that it was benign. Like there's no cancer. I'm good. And I should have a healthy pregnancy if we do decide to do that later down the line. And they said, I cannot get pregnant like, even if we wanted to, I cannot get pregnant for six months to a year, just depending on how the testing is going. They said it could change, but as of right now, I can absolutely cannot get pregnant for six months to a year because if there's any single molar cell left in there by mistake, it'll just happen all over again. The molar cell will attack the baby, baby will pass, and we'll go through this whole process again. And I don't feel like doing that, to be honest. I don't. So they have to confirm that the molar cells are completely gone. And if I were to accidentally get pregnant, like I said, the process just starts all over. So I have considered getting on birth control again. And I hate that. But I was willing to do it because it's like my health. Right. So I had talked to the doctor about it. I was like, could I get on birth control? And my, this was a week ago. I was like, could I get birth control pills? Like, I don't trust anything else. I want to, because I'm vigilant. I'm a vigilant pill taker. Like, I have a timer on my phone. I take that shit when the alarm goes off. I do not skip. So, that's never been a problem for me. And so, I was like, this worked for me for almost 10 years. Like, I don't want to get on this, but I'm willing to do it to make sure this doesn't happen again. But she told me that when I get cleared to get pregnant again, that's the same time that I can get cleared to get on birth control. 
So my whole plan of taking the pill to avoid a pregnancy will not work during this time because until I'm cleared, because basically with the pill, you're adding the hormones. Right. And so those hormones can mess with the testing of the molar cells and because it, the molar cells raise your HCG and all like I'm, I don't want to confuse myself and get into it, but basically the pills hormones would affect my blood tests. And so it would be hard for them to tell if I'm in the clear or like, anyways, you just can't do it. You can't be on birth control until you're cleared. You can't start getting pregnant again until you're cleared. So I can't do either. And so I was like, well, hell, once I get clear to get pregnant again, I'm not going to get on birth control because I absolutely do. Like I simply wanted on it so that I wouldn't have an accidental pregnancy. But if that's not a possibility, then we're just going to go back to what we're doing and see what happens. For the longest time, he didn't he didn't want to try. And honestly, I wasn't up for the idea either. I was like, nope, this is it. Like we tried, gave it our best shot, whatever. Too bad, so sad, basically. But right. But now, especially after today, we actually had a really long talk before we got on this recording and we've decided that we will try again, not right now, probably in a year, but you know, it'll take some time because right now, after all of that, I'm just in a headspace of wanting to better myself because I'm trying to look at this experience as everything happens for a reason and I feel like the less, I feel like I needed to learn this lesson before I become a parent. Because I've always said I've never experienced a hardcore thing of somebody I love passing away. Like I've had great whatevers pass away. But right. not somebody I would see on a daily basis or I don't I, I don't know. You know what I mean. So I feel yes. like I feel like the lesson here was it just wasn't our time and our time will come, but also I was meant to learn the lesson of losing somebody and going through grief before I have a kid because who knows how I didn't know how I would react to losing someone. And so now that I do have sort of an idea of how I would react, I think that's better for me because now when I do have a kid, if I go through a grandparent passing away or something like that, I'm better prepared and I know how I would react to it and handle it. Right. So that's kind of my takeaway of it. It's just I needed to learn that lesson before I have a kid because who like what if I was so distraught that I couldn't take care of my kid like I wouldn't have known that right but now I do I don't know that's just kind of how I want to look at it I think that's everything do you have any um questions or anything you don't think I got to um no I do think you hit everything for me it's just, I don't know. It just feels, it's like hard to ask questions. Yeah, I get that. I'm d- I'm just like proud that I got through it. <laughs> and you did. What a queen. Yeah, but if anybody has questions, probably don't ask me in person because I'll start crying. But you can definitely. You can ask me. We're friendly, so. We are friendly. So many people are scared to come up to me at work and I'm just like, why? I'm nicer than Haley. <laughs> And everybody talks to me. Yeah, like people will literally go up to Haley, ask questions about me, and I'm standing right there, and I'm like, <laughs> "Am I ugly or something?" Like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, like I'm literally the nicer sister. So when you like, we sound bitchier on this podcast than we are in real life, but that's just our sense of humor. That's we like to- like podcasting is like me and Maya FaceTiming and. When you're that yeah. comfortable with your besties, I feel like, you know, it's just we more just like, like- to, We like to be dramatic and we like to be beat dead horses, okay? Like, we just, well, we just, you know what I'm saying? Don't take this too seriously. I mean, this, epi- <laughs> this podcast episode, yes, take it seriously. But in general, we're just saying stuff for shits and gigs. Yes. Like, you can, you can totally approach me at work. You can totally call me on the phone. When, when people call me- I just get nervous. That's all. I'm not. I'm not annoyed. Okay. Like I look at I just, my phone for a few seconds and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like we just like exaggerate on this hoe. <laughs> Obviously not this episode, but like any other episode, we exaggerate. We're dramatic. This is our most serious episode. So yeah. handle with care. 
but I just want everybody to know that I'm okay. At least now. <laughs> now I am. So is Eli. We're doing fine. We just kind of try not to think about it. We go on with our lives. Eli's really into Nintendo Switch right now. <laughs> I'm into uh, books, as we know. So we're just trying to focus on our hobbies and each other. Don't lie. You're into me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Way to make it about you. <laughs> no, but She's we're obsessed with me. <laughs> always calling me. <laughs> no, but we just kind of we're just trying to focus on we're trying to get back to where we were before and focus on our hobbies, focus on each other, focus on ourselves. I don't know. I've taken great strides this past year of um, creating my own peace and boundaries and I don't know, getting better. And so I think we're just going to continue that this year and see where the world takes us next. Hopefully we have a trip in there somewhere, but I just want everybody to know, make it very clear. We, we are good. We are fine now. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, Pookie. Per, who knew how strong a bitch could be? <laughs> Me. <laughs> I've been known. She wants strong motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. But we're not bitches or nothing. <laughs> not today. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I do have an out of pocket to kind of lighten the mood. So this one is kind of related to this episode, but in a different way. It's got to do with pregnancy. It says, my wife and I are having trouble getting pregnant. She swears there's something wrong on my end, so she's asked to get me tested. I didn't have the heart to tell her that it was actually her having reproductive issues. I know this because I took my mistress to get an abortion last month. (gasps) (laughs) oh my gosh can you imagine that's fucked up out of pocket (laughs) that is hella out of pocket because what the fuck I heard that on a podcast I was listening to the other day and I said no fucking way the way my mouth dropped when you said that I was like oh somebody find this man find the mistress and find the wife and cause a riot okay start some shit up Period. Anyways, um, I don't know. See you Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. True, another true crime episode. That's kind of sad. We have true crime, sad story, true crime. (laughs) I'm sorry. What's all happy and sunshine? You need to get some popcorn, you need to take a shower, and uh, put on some Medea. Some Medea? Put on some Medea to lighten your spirits after this episode. Because, goddamn, that was heavy. Indeed. But we, we w- Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't. We'll see y'all Saturday. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs>